Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast, the best edition of the pod. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and we got to start with, I guess it's bad news. I mean, I think it's good news for the economy. It's good news for the housing market because it's going to kind of cool things off. But if you're looking to buy a home, it's not it's not good news. And that is mortgage rates, which have been slowly for about a year now, because I think 2021 was when they hit bottom and have been slowly rising and they've been rising a lot quicker as of recent. Uh, But mortgage rates have finally started reaching levels that we saw pre-pandemic. We are finally there. And it probably took longer than most would have projected. If you would have gone to most people when the pandemic hit, how long before we see normalized rates again, probably would not have said over two years. But yet here we are. That's right. The latest data from Freddie Mac, their weekly survey, the gold standard. When it comes to looking at mortgage rates, they now have the 30-year fixed at 4.42%. It's so crazy because for like the last two years, seeing something in the threes was so normal. And then here we are. I mean, we're skyrocketing through the fours. I mean, it's it's like all of a sudden it was like, yep, we're over 4%. And now we're very close to 4.5%. It was a 26 basis point jump. Week over week, this is now the highest rate since February 28th, 2019. Kind of a big jump. Uh, This is now 125 basis points higher than it was one year ago. So rates moving back up. And 30 years not alone. The 15-year fixed averaged 3.63%, a 24 basis point increase. And this is now 118 basis points higher than the same time one year ago. What is interesting is that this is a significantly higher number with with regards to year over year when looking at the equivalent data that we got earlier this week from the Mortgage Bankers Association. So their number so their 30-year fix was I think 4.11%, but that was only 75 basis points higher than one year ago. Here Freddie Mac is saying it's 4.42% and 125 basis points higher than one year ago. So it's, sure, 30 basis points higher, but 50 basis points higher than one year ago. So Freddie Mac is showing significant, significant jump week over week and, of course, year over year. Sam Cater, Freddie Mac's chief economist, said in a release that, quote, in short, The rise in mortgage rates combined with continued house price appreciation is increasing monthly mortgage payments and quickly affecting home buyers' ability to keep up with the market. And this is coming after a report we got earlier this week. No, 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 not the mortgage demand report from the Mortgage Bankers Association. They had another report that came out looking at housing affordability for the month of February. And if you remember, rates were moving up in February. I think it was the end of February. We had a little bit of a decline because of what was happening in Ukraine. But for the most part, rates were moving up, but rates are now significantly higher than they were in February. And when February, the Mortgage Bankers Association reported that, quote, homebuyer affordability decreased in February with the national median payment applied for by applicants jumping 8.3% to $1,653 up 
from $1,526 in January. That's over a $100 increase. And I have to assume you're going to see an even bigger jump in March because of what is happening with rates. And what's weird about this, or I should say, what has been weird is the situation that we have been in with regards to housing, because it has been a weird economic situation for the last you know, year, maybe 18 months. Rates have been rising along with home prices, and that doesn't usually happen, right? I mean, usually when you think about it, rates and home prices have a kind of inverse relationship, which just makes sense, right? Because as rates move up, it's more expensive to borrow money, which means that home prices can't rise up. Why were they both able to move up at the same time? Well, because of COVID. COVID knocked down rates so low, numbers we had never seen before, that even as rates were rising, homes on a historical perspective were still very much affordable. And so you can see this double-digit increase in home prices with rates jumping up because even with the jumps that we saw, rates were still at around 3%, which is... (laughs) I mean, at all time lows before COVID. And now we're finally reaching a point where I think we're we're getting to that breaking point. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported on interest rates earlier on, I guess I think it was Thursday morning. The monthly payment on a 30-year mortgage for $500,000 carrying a 6.7% rate is 3200 or I should say $3,226. But it's, $2,176 at 3.25%. So I don't think anyone thinks that we're going to get to 6.7, <laughs> but it, it does illustrate the impact that rising interest rates can have on home affordability. And for the longest time, we've been hearing that home prices at some point have to stop appreciating at the rate that they're appreciating. No one's saying they're going to fall. I'm not saying they're going to fall but they are going to hit a brick wall. And I think you might even see a little month over month decline, but overall the year, I mean, we've seen so much growth since January and will probably continue probably till April, maybe around May. And then that's when you might, you might begin to see some of that slowdown. I think it's I think we can see it finally on the horizon. They've been talking about it. It's coming around the corner. It's coming. Here it is. It never has come to fruition. But I think finally, with rates screaming towards five percent and people starting to see what impact that's going to have, home prices just can't keep appreciating at the rate that they are. And once again, no one is saying that rates are going to fall. All they are saying is it's going to slow down. And it could be bigly. <laughs> it could be a big time slowdown. I don't know what, what's going to happen. I mean, if there's one thing we've learned over these last two years, trying to make predictions on housing and saying, oh, this is good or this is bad. It's, it's, it's not easy. You just know and you can see what's happening with regards to sentiment from home buyers, sellers, all of that. And it does seem as if we're reaching this point where you have a lot of frustrated wannabe home buyers. And with rates moving up the way that they are, see, initially when rates started moving up, it was kind of like a kick in the butt for a lot of people. They're like, all right, it's now or never we're going to buy. But now that they've continued to rise, you could see, could see some people say, all right, now we're, we'll just, we're going to wait. And then as that eases demand, and hopefully as we see more inventory enter 
the marketplace, that will then start slowing down prices. That's what happens, right? Basic economics. As supply increases, demand drops, prices slow. And so that, that's a good thing. This is all good. This is a good thing for the housing sector. This is what you want to see happening. And here's what's fascinating because, you know, I, I saw this earlier in the morning and it's kind of funny. It, it, it really is kind of funny. Uh, Christopher Waller, who is a member of the Board of Governors, the Federal Reserve, he gave a speech today and he was talking about buying a house or I should say his inability to buy a house. And it was kind of funny because it was in the speech that was released. And I think it was Connor Sen was the first person to pick up on it. He's a columnist over at Bloomberg. He actually had a pretty good piece recently on the strength of the housing market, which is actually what Christopher Waller talked about. But he said, trust me, this is Christopher Waller. He's in his speech. Trust me. I know it's a red, it's red hot talking about the housing market because I'm trying to buy a house here in Washington and the market is crazy. <laughs> so here you have a member of the board of governors for the federal reserve. And he's like, I'm trying to buy a home and I can't buy one. <laughs> this powerful guy responsible for our monetary policy. And he's like, I can't buy a home right now. And it was funny because so Connor sent pointed that out in a tweet and then math Iglesias said, I hate to break it to him, but the D.C. market is relatively restrained because of the countervailing pressure from remote work. And also the D.C. housing market isn't as crazy because you haven't seen the spikes in D.C. like in other places. In fact, if you look at the charts, D.C. has some of the lowest growth over the last couple of years, mostly because in 2008, with all the government stimulus, they didn't see the big decline that other places did. I mean, I'm, I'm... I wasn't up there at the time, so I can't say that there wasn't any decline. There probably was a little bit of a decline. Everywhere declined. But they didn't see like the big drops that you saw in other big cities. And so I think that's another reason why the housing market isn't as nuts in D.C. Because housing prices have been higher there for longer than other places. So maybe people have become somewhat normalized to it. But he talked about the housing market that was what his speech was about the red hot housing market the role of policy and implications for housing affordability we just talked about housing affordability and there's no doubt that rising rates are going to impact that and what that's going to do to home prices so what did waller say well he said as we all know a singular feature of the u.s expansion since the covid19 recession has been the red hot housing market and trust me, I know it's red hot because I'm trying to buy here in Washington and the market is crazy, is the quote we just mentioned. Both house prices and rents are up significantly across the nation, while vacancy rates for rented and owner-occupied homes are down. So here's what he said about rents. Early in the pandemic, rent growth slowed as demand dropped to live in dense areas where rental housing tends to be concentrated while some people, especially young adults, moved in with family and friends. However, more recently, rents have accelerated sharply. And this is obviously a problem, especially for low-income households. Waller saying rent is a significant share of monthly expenses for many households. But lower-income households spend a larger fraction of their budget on housing, so rising rents hit these households harder. So that's, that's him talking about rent. Then he moves on to buying. What about the affordability of purchasing a home? House prices are up a cumulative 35% since 
since the beginning of the pandemic. And you feel bad for people who try to time the market and we're like, oh, the housing's gonna crash. I'm gonna sell my house <laughs> before the before the crash happens in 30, 35% in two years. That's some good appreciation. The rate of increase is much faster than the previous five years and even faster during the housing boom of the mid 2000s. Looking over the past two years, one would think the large increase in home prices would have made it more difficult for renters to become first time home buyers. Surprisingly, we have not seen evidence of that or of that yet, which is what we just talked about. Rates have been so low that it has kind of staved off some of the affordability issues with these accelerating home prices. However, Waller says now a household's ability to afford the purchase of a home is also a function of borrowing costs. Monetary policy actions have had a noticeable effect on mortgage rates. So while lower rates have made home purchases a bit more affordable earlier in the pandemic, the more recent rebound in mortgage rates and the continued rise in prices have made home purchases less affordable for many people. And so this is when he gets down into the big question that everyone always has with housing. Is this 2008 all over again? He says, an important question I will keep my eye on is whether the sharp and ongoing increases in home prices poses a risk to financial stability. My short answer is that unlike the housing bubble and crash of the mid-2000s, the recent increase seems to be sustained by the substantive supply and demand issues I have detailed, not by excessive leverage, looser underwriting standards, or financial speculation. In fact, mortgage borrowers entered the pandemic with stronger balance sheets than in the mid-2000s and are therefore better prepared to handle a drop in home prices than there were in the last housing downturn. So basically... Homeowners now are in a significantly better position. And he knows this because not only are people better off, but banks are better off. As for banks, Waller says, as I just said, large banks are substantially more resilient today than two decades ago. And last year's stress test, which featured a severe global recession that included a decline in home prices of over 20%. They project the largest banks could collectively maintain capital ratios at more than double their minimum requirements, even after withstanding more than $470 billion in losses. So, yes, significantly different than where they were in 2008. Significantly different. So, Waller concludes by saying, looking forward, as housing costs continue to increase, Housing will likely become an even larger share of household budgets. This is not a recent development in 72 to 73. The average household spent about 24% of expenditures on rent or impudent rent. The share rose to 27% in the late 80s and in 2019 was up to 35%. No doubt the share in 2022 will be larger still And with housing costs gaining an ever larger weight in inflation, Americans experience, I will be looking even more closely at real estate to judge the appropriate stance of monetary policy. So, I mean, the good news is that we are on some fantastic, just phenomenal financial footing. I mean, there's no evidence at all 
of there being any problems in housing. And, and I mean, here's the thing. When you have a black swan event like you have with housing in 2008, what's unfortunate is that everyone always then thinks that that's going to happen again. When we all know that the next black swan event is going to be that thing we didn't think about. I mean, the reason the 2008 happened was because nobody thought that home prices would ever decline. Up, 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 never. How pr housing prices only go up. And then they didn't. And then they fell. And no one saw it coming. And so the fact that there's so many people since then who have been focused on housing and predicting the next housing bubble means it's not going to be that. You know, I've always argued it's probably going to be like corporate debt or somewhere around there. It's going to be something that no one's looking at that we just assume is operating the way it's always operated. And that's the thing that's going to collapse. It's not the thing that you're watching, right? It's just, it's, it's not. It's why we never really saw another internet bubble the way we saw it in 2000, because after it happened, everyone's been laser focused on it not happening again. And so whenever time you're talking about the internet stocks, there's still skepticism by people who were burned by what happened in the late 90s. And there are still people who have been very burned by what happened with housing. And so they continue to watch housing like a hawk. And so the likelihood of housing being the downfall of our economy is just, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But the good news is, is that things are good, but we are now moving into a new era where for what, 30 years, mortgage rates for the most part have been falling. And we've, we reached bottom January 21, and now rates are moving up. And what is that going to do to housing? And more than likely, it's probably going to slow housing appreciation down a significant amount. And you're not going to see double digit inflation <laughs> year over year in 2023. It's unlikely. You never know. Never say never, right? Is that what they always, they always say? Never say never. All right, before we go, uh, jobless claims, we always get those on Thursday. It, it was kind of bizarre because I was watching Bloomberg when the report came out. And I can't remember the guy. It's not Tom Keen. It was the guy that was giving the news. And he was reading the initial jobless claim number that came out and it was significantly lower than they were expecting it to fall 2000 and it fell like 40,000 to 187,000 claims. It was a 28,000 claim decrease. And we're now at the lowest level for initial jobless claims since September 6, 1969 <laughs> and continuing claims were also at a 52 year low. And I think there was an argument that this might have been something to do with seasonal adjustments and maybe not doing something correctly. I mean, jobless claims are low. We have 11 million job openings. We have the record high job openings. So you're not going to see a lot of jobless claims. But the fact that it dropped that far was just kind of funny because the guy on Bloomberg was like, uh, um, I think this is something to do with seasonal adjustments because it just, it just dropped so much that it kind of threw him. And so we'll see if there's a correction next week, a revised number, maybe, maybe, or maybe not. Maybe we are at a 53 year low. Hey, great. Good news. Housing's strong. Jobless claims, 53 year low. It's funny because everyone seems so pessimistic and there's so much good data out there. I, I get it. There's a war going on in Ukraine. Maybe that's a big, big part of it, but it's just kind of fascinating. Inflation undoubtedly is also a major driver of, you know, you go to the store and buy something and it costs twice what it did a year ago. That's going to impact you, no doubt about that. 
Uh, but there is some great data out there. <laughs> so the housing market strong, jobless claims, 53 year low. Mortgage rates are up. Yes, that is true. But like I said, housing is strong. And, they, and that was what I mentioned Connor said earlier. He had a good piece about how the housing market, unlike in the mid-2000s, can withstand a more hawkish Fed and rising rates. All right, we got to go. I am a little long on today's pod. I will see you guys on Monday. You guys enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.